Good morning, good morning, good morning, and happy birthday, Discover Church. So good to see you this morning. Somebody asked if I was getting in the dunk tank, and I said, I'm happy to, but is it me-sized or is it we-sized? You know, I, anyway, uh, man, happy birthday, Discover Church. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say, happy birthday. Happy birthday. If you are new with us today, you don't know why we're making such a big deal about this. Uh, Discover Church started four years ago uh, today in 2018. And man, it is amazing the things that God has done. It's amazing the things that we have learned through the process. And just real quick, out of show of hands, how many of you were our day one people? You were here on the very first day. Raise your hands high. Man, look at you. Look at you. Man, thank you. Man, and you stuck with us. You stuck with us. Thank you. Uh, Man, I just want to say thank you for all the folks that have been here from the beginning. Thank you. There have been so many people. Listen, I want to make this super, super clear. Um, There are so many people who have sacrificed, who have served, who have given. Some of them have literally given blood, sweat, and tears through set up and tear down. Um, Some people have sacrificed fingernails, being smashed in doors and uh, things being, you know, smashed in, in cases and all that stuff. Listen, I just want to say from the very bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you for every single person that has ever been here, that has ever served, that has ever given to Discover Church, that's walked through the doors of our church. Listen, this is not about me. It's not about our church. It is about King Jesus and what he is doing in and through this place. And so I just wanna say thank you. And if we can, I'd just like to give our very best hand clap and our very loudest amen to Jesus today because he's running this thing. It's not me, it's not you, it's not us, it's, it's Jesus. So come on, let's put our hands together and say thank you, Lord. Honestly, Jessica and I are just so incredibly humbled uh, for what we've been able to be a part of. We started our church with this God-sized vision, um, and we were dumb enough to believe that God really could uh, use us to see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time. And we just had this incredible faith, and we've gone about the simple process of praying like it all depends on God and working as if it all depends on us. And we've seen God do some pretty amazing things. As we go through the day today, we're gonna be uh, sharing and telling some stories. And so I wanna tell uh, a story real quick from one of our day one couples. Um, We got some of these stories a couple of weeks ago. We asked people to share their favorite memories from Discover Church. And uh, I wanna share a story from Brian and Tammy Pruitt uh, today. And this is what they said. This is what Brian said. Brian says, I have so many wonderful memories of times with set up and tear down friends and sitting in staff meetings during year one. Year one, our staff uh, meetings involved uh, me and um, people who were really crazy to volunteer an inordinate amount of time to help us. Um, We couldn't afford really staff at that point. Um, And so Brian was a part of our staff meetings and helping us with some of that stuff. He says, my favorite though, is the collection of memories from our small group that has truly become our family. His wife, Tammy said this, that's a small group member right there. That's Michael Heater. If anyone ever says amen real loud, you probably know it's Michael Heater. His wife, Tammy, said the anticipation of what God was going to do in and through Discover Church was so exciting. And as we watched him work through those first weeks and months, it was an incredible, wonderful memory. Growing into friends, then family, with all the people we've been in small group with is our absolute favorite. 
And man, I'm just excited. I mean, we're, we're the things that God has done, and there are people who um, are connected, people who are, um, we have this statement that we say at our church that we're a church where strangers become friends and friends become family, and that's happened. There's people, um, I just saw a post this morning, Rachel Tony posted something of three or four families gathered together at their home this weekend, people that, to my knowledge, they didn't know each other before Discover Church got started, and now they're, 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 they're part of a family unit. They're, they live, do life together. They help each other, encourage each other. Each other. And so it's just, just been amazing. And uh, listen, I know this, I know it's not easy to come to Discover Church. Um, it's a little hard to get to. It's kind of hard to find. We've got to put a bunch of signs along the roads so that people know that we're here and we're not just at a school. It takes a lot of work to set all this stuff up. So it's not easy to come to Discover Church. And so from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you. Today, as we celebrate our fourth birthday, God led me to a passage of scripture in Joshua chapter four. Um, you can go ahead and turn there. If not, we'll have the verses on the screen for you. Joshua chapter four today, and let me provide a little bit of context of why what we're getting ready to read was so significant. All the way back at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, God made a promise to a man named Abraham that, that God was going to make Abraham and his descendants, his people, his children, his, his select nation and group of people. And God made a promise to Abraham that he was gonna give them a land that would flow with milk and honey that they would dwell in. Well, the problem was, is as Abraham and his family began to grow and multiply and move from one place to another, um, there, there, was, there was an issue, uh, a sequence of events that led to Nate, Abraham's entire family becoming slaves in Egypt. Egypt was the most powerful uh, nation and group of people at that time. And, and Abraham's family, which at that point was just um, you know, 12 brothers and, 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 their, and their wives and their kids, they all come to Egypt. And it started off super great until it didn't. There was a change of leadership and a new Pharaoh came into, into power. And he was concerned about the, the growing number of these Hebrews, these Jewish people. And so he began to make them his slaves. And over the course of several generations, in fact, 430 years, the, the Jewish people multiplied and multiplied and multiplied until he gets to the time of Moses, where God raises up Moses to lead Israel out of slavery from the hands of the Egyptians. And if you're familiar with the story, you know there were 10 plagues that happened. And eventually, um, all, Pharaoh finally says, y'all got to get out of here. I can't handle this anymore. So two and a half million Jewish people started with just 12 brothers and their families. Two and a half million people leave Egypt on their way to the land that God promised. They come to the Jordan River, which was the boundary line of the land that God promised them. And they decided to send some spies into the land. 10, 12 spies go in, 10 spies come out and they say, listen, there are giants in this land. We have no business going over there. But two of them came out and said, who cares about the giants? We've got God on our side. The nation of Israel went with the majority and that was a bad decision. Can I just tell you in your life, um, if you ever are at odds of either going with the flow and with the majority or going with God, I don't care what the odds look like. Your best chance at victory is with God, not with the majority. Somebody needs to say amen to that today because you've learned that to be true in your life. And so what happens is God gets upset with him and says, all right, here's the deal. You wanna go with the flow? Here's what I'm gonna do. 40 years, you're gonna be not allowed to go into the land. And 40 years go by, Moses dies and Joshua, the new leader for the Israelites, comes into power. And here's where we get to in Joshua chapter four, that God has come and he's given some instructions to Joshua for what to do. And this is what he says in Joshua chapter four in verse one. It says this, and it came to pass 
when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here and out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. You see, what happened is, as God told the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant into the Jordan River and that he would not part the Jordan River until the priest's feet were in the Jordan River. And so now he's telling them, you're gonna go to where the priest's feet were and grab these stones. Verse five, and Joshua said to them, come over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and each one of you shall take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. I've titled today's message, Memorial Stones, because that's what God instructed Israel to do. It's what he instructed Joshua to do. And what is the significance of memorial stones? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of self-descriptive. Memorial stones are stones that serve as a memorial, a reminder of a thing that happened. And I, I want, as we celebrate our birthday today, I want to take some time to talk about some memorial stones. But before we can really talk about these memorial stones and the significance of them, we need to understand why it was so significant for Israel and why God, wanted, why God wanted Joshua to do this. And I believe there's two reasons. Memorial stones reminded Jews of God's power and God's faithfulness. Once you know the significance of where God told the Jews to take the stones from, we find it in verse three, and it says, take for yourself 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood. Listen, God told Joshua to find 12 men, one from each tribe, and go into the midst of the Jordan, go into the riverbed, the place where the river, scripture says that at this time, the river was at flood stage. All right, and so, so Israel crossed over a massive river that was at flood stage and they crossed over on dry ground. And God says, listen, I want you to go and get stones, not from the bank of the Jordan River, not from the edge of the Jordan River. I don't want you to just walk in until you feel safe and grab them wherever you see them. No, 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 no. The priests are still standing in the, in the midst of the Jordan River. The, the ground is still dry. I want you to walk into the bottom of the Jordan River. I want you to walk into the miracle and I want you to grab a stone from the bottom and bring it out with you. And these weren't just little pebbles, right? Like they couldn't have just put them in their little satchel. These are boulders. Notice what it says. It tells them in verse five that they've got to take it up on their shoulder. These are boulders that they are carrying from the bottom, from the dry place at the bottom of a river that was at flood stage. Why? because God wanted Israel to be reminded of the miracle. God wanted Israel to remember God's power. God wanted Israel to remember his faithfulness. God wanted Israel to remember that every single time they saw these stones, it would be a reminder of who God is and what God has done in their life because God knew that there were gonna come some hard times. God knew there were gonna be some difficult seasons ahead. God knew there were gonna be some battles that were going to seem impossible. And God wanted to remind Israel, unless you ever get confused about how the odds or the deck stacks in your favor, I'm the God who stopped the river and y'all walked across. 
That's why God chose them, told them to get them from the bottom of the river. But the second reason why memorial stones were important to Joshua and to Israel is it created opportunities to tell stories and to brag on God. When's the last time you bragged on God to somebody? God wanted this to be a part of Israel's rhythm. Notice what it said in verse six. It says that this may be a sign, these memorial stones be a sign among you when your children ask in the time to come saying, what do these stones mean to you? What's the meaning of these stones? Why are these stones here? And God says, gives this instruction. Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial for the children of Israel. You see, God wanted them to be able to have something that was built in, something that was a static and stagnant reminder so that when the next generation comes along and they see these stones, they can go, man, what's up with these stones? Now, here's the question that, that I, I didn't know to ask this week until I spent some time talking with Pastor Brian. Here's a fun fact about Pastor Brian. Did you know that he went and he got his undergrad in geological studies? He says that there are some really funny geology jokes, but I haven't heard any yet. And so I was talking to Brian about this this week. He goes, hey man, can I just tell you something fun from a geological standpoint? And I said, sure. Sorry, Brian. I said, sure. He goes, here's the deal. The reason why God would have done that geologically is because these stones would have looked radically different than anything else around them. Now, if you've ever been on a hike before, you've seen rocks or stones at the edge of a river or at the edge of a, we call them a creek in Arkansas uh, or a creek as y'all call them up here, right? And, and, and you see rocks and stones that are there and, 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 and if you've ever been like in the mountains and you see, you know, jagged edges of stones and stuff like that, you see these stones would have been very different because they would have been smoothed and rounded over years of erosion from the water. And so by grabbing these stones from the bottom of the Jordan River, God is saying, listen, I'm going to have you grab something that looks so out of place that when people come upon it, they're going to go, what's up with that? And why are they different? And why are they here? Man, I just want to tell somebody today that when you have trusted in Christ for salvation, God's desire for your life is that you look a little bit different than the world around you. And people start asking you when the world's going to hell in a handbasket and everything seems like chaos and you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. God wants your life to look so awkward and so odd that people start coming to you and say, everybody's freaking out right now. Why are you okay? And we can point to Jesus. And so these stones would have looked different. If the next generation come along, they would go, these are weird. What's up with this? And God says, listen, I want you to tell the next generation the story. I want you to brag on me about the impossible thing that I did where I not only delivered you from the captivity of the Egyptians, but I want you to go all the way back and tell them about the promise I made and the promise I kept. Can I tell you, God has never broken a promise. He hasn't done it once in the history of his word and he's not done it. He's not gonna do it with you either. And so God gives these memorial stones to remind the Jews of God's power and faithfulness and to create opportunities to tell stories and brag on God. So as we have our fourth birthday today, I felt the need to come to you. Some of y'all know about some of this. Some of you don't. Some of y'all are super brand new with us. You've only been here for the last couple of weeks and you don't know about the things that God has been doing. I just wanna come together today and have a time where we can brag on Jesus together. Is that okay? 
And so as I, I'm gonna share some, what I believe are some memorial stone moments that have happened in year four of Discover Church. And, 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 and when you hear something that encourages you or like, man, that's awesome, it's okay for you to say amen. You're not amening me, you're amening God and you're bragging on Jesus for what he's done, okay? One person. Thank you, Chris. Here's the first memorial stone that I will forever remember from year three, and it's, it's never settled. And if you don't know what this is, I'd love to just catch you up. Never settle is something that God has, has really kind of brought us to as a church in a lot of ways, like God led the nation of Israel into a new place and gave them a promise of this new thing, of a new land. God has led us as a church into the next chapter, the next stage of vision for us as a church. And, and the vision looks like this. Our vision, the vision that God has given us for the next two years of our church is to see 250 people take their next step in their relationship with Jesus. God's heart has always been about people, not just about organizations and structures and organized things. God uses those things, but his heart has always been bent and focused on people. And so God's put a burden on our heart to do something about the people in our community that don't even, maybe don't even know that they need Jesus. And so God's given us some instruction on what that looks like. He's, he's put four initiatives on our heart. Part of it involves some evangelism training that we're gonna start in just a couple of weeks with our entire church. We're gonna do evangelism training because we just believe that, that the best way to see our city changed by Jesus is if each one of us goes out and reaches somebody that is close to us but far from God. The second thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna partner with a turning point and we're gonna uh, provide a grant for them as they are on the front lines of trying to meet some of the most tangible practical needs in our community. And they've identified trying to resolve the problem of homelessness in our community amongst women and families. And so we're gonna partner with them and we're gonna, we're gonna provide a grant to them and hopefully opportunities to serve them as they're doing that. The third thing God's called us to do at some point in the next couple of years is to start a, a, a second location of a church so we can reach a new part of the Northland. And the fourth thing that God has called us to do is God never wanted Discover Church to meet portably in a building. We're thankful for Northland Christian School. Thank you. But the vision has never been that we would have a set up and tear down for the rest of eternity and set up and tear down said, amen. And so the fourth part of our vision, again, we don't know exactly what this looks like yet, but God wants us to be financially positioned so that we can begin negotiations to try to get into a more permanent place and to communicate to the whole Northland, Discover Church ain't going anywhere. We are here to stay. And this is what I believe, as we talk about 250 people taking their next step, I just believe that every single one of those numbers has a name, every single one of those names has a story, and every single one of those stories matters to God. And if it matters to God, it should matter to us. And so we just started this in the last three or four months. We were only three or four months in. We've already seen God do some pretty neat things. Matter of fact, at our last baptism, we baptized these two ladies. One is an incredible young adult named Macy who is serving in a couple different places in our church and God has really worked and moved in her life and the, the light of Jesus is shining bright through her and the other one is my daughter and I'm a little partial to that, all right? And so we're already seeing people take their next steps. Now here's the deal. I don't know if you know this, but, but, but churches don't operate on oxygen. It, it, it requires money in order for ministry to continue to move forward with a church. And listen, I know that it's kind of awkward sometimes talking about money in church and um, it can be a little uncomfortable, but, but listen, here's what I believe. 
I believe when Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, what he meant was, is I care about your money because your money tells me where your soul is. And I believe that Jesus cares desperately about your soul. I believe Jesus cares desperately about your heart. And if Jesus cares about your heart, I care about your heart. And so at times we're gonna talk about generosity. At times we're gonna talk about money. And here's one of the reasons why I wanna tell you an incredible story. We believe as we've ran all the numbers in order for us to do all of this never settle stuff, it's gonna require about $3 million over the next couple of years to do all of that, all right? And as we were talking about that, we were encouraging people to just go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, would you have me take a step in my generosity journey? And here's part of the reason why we talk about generosity, because I want to tell you this incredible story from one of our dream teamers, Sarah Bergen. You can see a picture of her here. And this is what Sarah said. She said, as we went through the Never Settle Sermon series, I felt God called, uh, called me to increase my giving. And I wasn't really sure how feasible this would be as I am a single woman with a mortgage and lots of other bills. Can anybody like appreciate lots of bills, especially in this economy? Come on. Somebody, somebody actually told me, Sojourn, your timing is impeccable. You're going into a vision campaign at a 40-year high of inflation. I go, that wasn't my plan. That was God's plan. I'm just, go to talk to God about that. But this is what she said. She said, but I knew that God was calling me to invest in the future of Discover Church. And after a lot of prayer and consideration, I wound up getting a new job and the path to giving more was opened. And how cool is that? We can say amen to that. We can celebrate what God is doing there. And so this is, this is one memorial stone. When I think about year four of Discover Church, Never Settle is gonna be one of those memorial stones. Here's a second memorial stone that I think of about Discover Church. And you can throw this next slide up. It's the launch of the Bridge Student Ministry. Come on. Now listen, I spent 11, before God led me to start this church, I spent 11 years uh, of my life investing into uh, generations of teenagers. And I had the opportunity to work up close and personal with students and parents as they're navigating the, the awkward and the awesome teenage years, all right? And so it was super hard for me when we started our church to not start our church with a student ministry, but I just felt like we couldn't do it well. And if we're gonna do it, then we need to be able to do it well. God says that in all things, do all things to the glory of God. So if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it well. We just couldn't do it well at the time. There's too many irons in the fire. But man, I'm so excited because in January, God brought Colin and Lydia Allen to join our church family. And listen, I just have to tell you, you can clap. Yeah, they're not here today. They're not here today. He came to me a couple of weeks ago when he realized that this was our birthday and he was super nervous. Jern, um, I'm supposed to be in a wedding on our birthday. Can I have your permission to take a vacation day on that day? I said, well, I don't know what kind of sinners y'all are doing wedding. I mean, they get married on a Sunday. They don't love Jesus. So we laughed about that. And he goes, actually, it's just like half the price. And so they do love Jesus and they're practicing great stewardship. And I go, mm. hey, can I just tell you, I really do wish that they were here. I would, I, I would tell them this publicly. Can I just tell you, God sent us an awesome couple in Colin and Lydia. Man, what an incredible young couple that passionately loves Jesus and that radically loves the next generation. Man, can I just tell you, I, that 
watching how they live their life to honor Jesus has many times brought conviction and challenge to me. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see how it is, God. I got it. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta grow in some things if I'm gonna continue leading the next generation. Thank you. And so they started meeting in a small group with some students um, starting in February. And on May, uh, let me get the date right, May 11th, they launched, you can throw the next picture up, they launched the Bridge Student Ministry meeting in the warehouse of our church. And on the very first night, we had 28 students there. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. And so uh, they got a chance to meet a, a number of students. One of the students um, texted Colin. Colin was like, hey man, how has God worked in your life through the bridge? And this is what he said. His name is Mason. He said, the bridge has impacted me positively in the way of giving me a new church home. And I remember being very nervous when we, first, uh, when we were first going to try a new youth program, but I got there and immediately felt like home and felt like an accepting environment. And it's given me almost a safe place to go and to kind of get away from the rest of my life and have some worship time every week, which is awesome. I guess I just feel like it's given me a new way to practice my faith with some great people. Man, how cool is that? Just a couple of weeks ago, the bridge did something they call a big night. And I asked Colin, I was like, well, what is a big night? He goes, well, it's a normal night, but bigger. I go, I love it. I love it. This is one of the things they did on their big night. They called it a color war. And uh, they had a bunch of students got together and they had these color packets and they basically like dodgeball with color packets. And it was awesome. Um, I saw a lot of pictures from that. And on this night, just a few weeks ago, they had nine students who walked through the doors of the bridge for the very first time that had an opportunity to hear about the radical power and love of Jesus to come in and change their life. It's incredible. And here's what I believe. I believe the bridge is not just gonna have an impact um, on the lives of students, but, but parents, I believe it's gonna have an impact on you. And if you're looking for a place to serve, I believe it's gonna have an impact on the dream team, teamers who serve at the bridge. In fact, one of our volunteers uh, sent this story and this is pretty cool. He says, the bridge has been an indescribable experience. I have been changed more by serving here at the bridge than anywhere else. Growing up, I've always had a shy, introverted, and reserved personality. When I first joined the Bridge Dream Team, I thought there was no way God is calling me to help build his kingdom through these students. But here I am, spending one of the best nights of my week serving God by lifting up these students and supporting them with his love. God is truly strong in my weakness. I have seen students change in the best ways possible. And it is an incredible sight to see the love of God surrounding this ministries and the volunteers that put in so much hard work every week is so humbling to me. Man, thank you. Thank you so much, Sam, for, for the way that you're serving. Thank you to all of our dream teams that are serving in students. And here's what I, I just believe this at the core of my being. If you've ever been to a student function, if you've ever been to a, a football game or a basketball game with students, there's a lot of things that you're going to observe. But I think one of the most significant that is important for us to observe today is I have always noticed that if ever a wave breaks out, you know, when the whole crowd starts doing like this, you know, you know where it always starts? It always starts in the student section. And I believe 
teenagers, if you are here this morning, listen, I want you to hear your pastor say this. I believe that you may very well be the most significant generation and demographic in this church today because you bring a renewed joy, you bring an energy, you bring an inspired faith that we grownups have, a, have, have this incredible ability to overcomplicate and allow things to get in the way of just passionately following Jesus. And so students, I'm glad that you are here. Students, I'm glad that you're part of our church and, and you'll, this will never be a church that's going to approach students in our church with the mindset of y'all just go over there, sit down, shut up, eat your pizza and play your video games. Uh-uh. No, come on, because this church, Discover Church, needs the students of this generation to remind us what it looks like to just passionately and selflessly love, serve and follow Jesus, amen? And so when I think of the second memorial stone, it's the bridge. And the third memorial stone that I will always remember from year four of Discover Church is Summer Blast. We hired Emily in 2019 and uh, we did that with all, you know, we had a whole bunch of people, we couldn't take care of them all. And we hired Emily and one of the very first things that she asked us was, um, hey, I really wanna do like a, um, a, a much cooler summer VBS kind of thing. And I don't wanna call it VBS, I wanna call it Summer Blast. I go, okay, great, let's do it. We just encouraged her since she just got started in the spring of 2019, don't do that this summer, you can do it next summer. The idea was it would give her the time to be able to work on helping us build a strong foundation of what we're doing on Sunday mornings to bless and serve kids and bless and serve parents and encourage them throughout the week. And then in the summer of 2020, it would be a phenomenal opportunity to be able to launch a brand new thing where we gather a whole lot of people into a small space and we just talk and sing and yell and shout together. Y'all know how that worked out. And then 21 really wasn't a lot better. And so this year in 2022 was the first chance that uh, Discover Church had through Emily's leadership to bring um, Summer Blast to fruition. And let me tell you guys, if y'all didn't get a chance to see it, it was, like, it was like Disneyland, Disney World over Jesus. I mean, it was incredible. Matter of fact, I got a picture. This is the best picture that we have. The warehouse of our office was decorated and all decked out and never, never land, kind of with a Peter Pan kind of theme, all right? And I tell you, when I walked in there, it was like, man, never, never land, just like, in the office, and this is awesome. Um, we were equipped with our very own Captain Hook, uh, as you'll see in the next picture. Uh, we had our own Captain Hook, and we had our own uh, Shmi, uh, that's, that's Logan and Mal, uh, that was serving that day, and it was just absolutely incredible. And here's what we saw in just five days, really four days at Summer Blast. We saw 77 kids walk through the doors, K through five, K through fifth grade, 77 kids walked into Summer Blast. 26 of those kids had never been to our church before. Now I'm a little biased, but this next thing is my favorite part about Summer Blast. Not the first thing I'm gonna say, but the second thing I'm gonna say, we had 45 dream teamers serving at Summer Blast. 45 folks showing up every night to just pour their hearts and to pour their life out into the next generation of these, these future world changers, these kids. Here's my favorite part of it. Of those 45, I told you the wave starts in the student section. Of those 45 adults, 45 dream teamers, 20 of them were students. 
Come on. One of our dream teamers, Matthew Wesley, who's like a Swiss Army life of uh, serving in Discover Kids. If you serve in Discover Kids, amen, you know that's true, right? Uh, his wife, by the way, uh, is the one responsible for all the awesome things that we're getting ready to go enjoy just a little bit. So um, thank you so much for that. But this is what Matthew said. We asked him, hey man, what was the best part of Summer Blast? He said, honestly, it was just amazing seeing the rally of volunteers, young and old, making sure lives were changed for the kingdom in such a fun and unique way. I, I talked to so many parents that came up to me when they came and checked their kids out. They go, VBS wasn't like this when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it was like flannel graphs. Some of y'all don't even know what flannel graphs are. It was like the 1950s version of an iPad. Some of y'all still don't get it. It's okay, you can Google it. And all of that, we saw four kids say yes to following Jesus at Summer Blast. One of those stories uh, is a mom, her name's Chelsea Gaskins, and this is what she said. She kind of encapsulated her entire memory of Discover Church, and she said, as we are fairly new to Discover, our memories are small but we have loved getting to know everyone in the church. And my favorite memories have to be the recent picnic and summer blast where my oldest son accepted Christ as his personal savior. Listen, when I think of year four at Discover Church, I think of these incredible things that God has done. Never settle the launch of the bridge, summer blast, and a whole host of other things. And so many, so many people, listen, a church is not built on the gifts of just a few, it's built on the sacrifices of many. And so many of you have been, been willing to say yes to following Jesus and being willing to say yes to use what God has put inside of you to build his church and to advance his kingdom. And so when I think of year four, I think about these incredible, incredible things. And I believe it's important sometimes, not just as a church, but in our lives personally to stop and ask the question, what are the memorial stones in my life? What are the things of this last year, of this last season, maybe of the last decade that I'll look back and say, that is where I saw God's goodness. That is where I saw God's faithfulness. That's where I saw God's power on full display. And I don't know if you know this or not, but God has actually built into the rhythm of, of our lives things and as we, as we anchor ourselves in a church that he's given us some rhythms that allow us the opportunity to serve as some memorial stone moments, some things where we just come to an edge and just stop for a minute so that we can look back and go, God, help me remember your goodness because things are going to get harder. I don't know if you know this or not, the promise of following Jesus is not that everything is just gonna become sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns. Jesus never promised that. In fact, Jesus promised the exact opposite. Jesus said, in this world, you will take it to the bank. It's absolutely going to happen. You will face hardships. Here's the good news of Jesus. It's not that you're never gonna face hardships. The good news of Jesus is the second half of the verse when he says, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. 
So God gives us a couple of things that give us a chance to stop and think about that. The first is baptism. Not only when we get baptized ourselves, but when we get to witness somebody else be baptized. It's an opportunity for us to remember the goodness of God in our own lives. And the second memorial stone is communion. Some call it the Lord's Supper. An opportunity for us to just stop for just a minute and to think back on our lives and to think back on what God has done and to praise him for his death, his burial and his resurrection, to praise him for his goodness and faithfulness in our lives. And sometimes we need to, we need to take advantage of those moments because here's what can happen. If we don't take advantage of those moments, then frustrations and discouragements and disappointments will lead to bitterness. And when your soul is filled with the vinegar of bitterness, you begin to forget about the person of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. At Discover Church, we exist to see our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. If you'd like to take your next step of faith today, text the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. Again, that's the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to connect. Reach out to us on social media and let us know that you found us through the Discover Church podcast. Thanks for listening.